0: What's up Wild Side besties and baddies, I'm Bailey, and I'm Chelsea, and we're here to walk you through the Wild Sides, from homicides to hosticides and everything in between. We're so glad you're here, so buckle up and enjoy the ride. So, I'm at, I'm at lunch duty, Right? this week. So I've been long-term long term subbing over at the junior high, mm-hmm. you know? So um, this was my last week. Our teacher is coming back on Monday. So I'm over there helping out with lunch duty. And this kid that I've worked a lot with in the past comes up to me and he's like, Hey, how's it going? And I was like, Hey buddy, no, it's good, man. What's going on? He's like, I got, you know, got McDonald's for lunch. My mom brought me McDonald's. I was like, man, that's awesome. He's like, yeah, got my favorite toy in there too, the one that I was wanting. I was like, dude, living your best life, man. I love it. And then he stops and he's looking me up and down, right? And I'm just I'm just sitting there. I'm just watching him looking at me. And then he says, You're like, I thought you're not hungry. I thought, why are you looking at me like I'm a whole big Mac? Oh, there's a reason why. There's a reason. (laughs) And he says, he said, why does it look like you might be pregnant? No. I said, well, sweetheart, because I'm fat. And he said, oh, no, you're not. How dare you say that about yourself? And I was like, well, buddy, you know. So then, who's standing next to us is the principal of the junior high. And I was like, you know who she- we should ask? Let's ask the principal. No, Mr. Principal, why do you think it looks like Miss might be pregnant? And he just looked at me like, Nope, I'm not doing this. I'm not doing this today, Chelsea. I'm not doing it. (laughs) (laughs) You know, it's like from the mouth of babes, sweet little angel darlings. Oh, Oh. God. So I was like, I'm going to go home. And then after all of that, the principal starts laughing. And I was like, What? What are you laughing at now? And he said, Look down. I straight up had a piece of toilet paper stuck to the bottom of my shoe that I'd been walking around with. So all you need to complete that was fuzzy slippers and a lit cigarette. Oh, I I was like, (laughs) I'm officially going home. I was like, you, F you, F you, u, you're cool. you're you're cool, cool. F you, I'm out. I'm done. So that's my week. How's your week been? I mean, luckily, you know... However you look at it, um, it's quite obvious that cheeseburgers are my problem and that I'm not pregnant. So (laughs) I'm like so far past that that people would not assume that I'm pregnant. It's wild, man. Like the audacity. Like I cannot believe he packed that much audacity into his Happy Meal when he came up to talk to me. Listen, I can't. But fortunately for this case, I was talking to one of uh, one of our friends over here at the junior high and she was like, oh, well, he hasn't been on his medication for at least a week. So there's really no telling what's going to come out of his mouth. So, you know, at least at least there's that. At least there's some form of reasoning behind the audacity that came out of his mouth. Ah, capital audacity. (laughs) Well, I'm sorry that happened to you, but, you know, you never you never know what you're going to get with these preteens and teenagers and what's going to come out of their mouths. hmm Right. Yeah. We're still in the development process of the brain stage. Yeah. And the social but, skills stage. Right. But I have a feeling that I'm having a better week than the story you're about to tell me. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Yeah. So... What we're going to be talking about today, and the story that I'm going to be telling you guys, is the tragic death of Mike Williams. Mike Williams. Oh, Mikey. Where oh, Mikey. Where, where? was Mikey living? Mike, 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 Mike. Oh, what day, 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 day it is. Home oh, day. day. <laughs> yeah. Okay. It's this is a really sad one, and it's gonna be. I'm gonna do this a little bit differently than okay. probably typical cases. Okay. Okay. In the early morning hours of Saturday, December 16th, 2000, 31 year old Jerry Michael Mike Williams woke up and left his home in the Tallahassee suburbs with his boat in tow. Okay. He was headed to Lake Seminole for some duck hunting, which was a little over an hour drive from his home in Centennial Oaks Circle. So Lake Seminole was a reservoir on the Florida-Georgia line. Okay, yeah, now, Tallahassee, Tallahassee, that's like north, what, northeast Florida? Is that right? Mm, I think I. it's definitely more towards... The Alabama side of it. Okay. Okay, but it's northern. It's yeah, northern. Yeah, Florida. it's not in the panhandle. Okay. It's in the. Sh- it's in the like continental strip. You know okay. What I mean? Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So, the Florida Georgia border is where Lake Seminole is located, and it made for a great location for him to do some hunt- some duck hunting. It's okay. shallow, swampy, and full of alligators. Mmm. Mm. Mm-hmm. you know it tastes like chicken alligator meat it kind of does it's a little chewy are, oh. are you an alligator meat fan do you yeah. eat alligator do you partake yep. yep i like the alligator on a stick in the french quarter alligator on a stick makes me sick makes my heart <laughs> go 246 <laughs> did i ever tell you about the time that i went duck hunting Um, you know, I don't know if you told me or not, but I vaguely feel like I remember you in like the duck lip, peace out pose with like face paint, like camo face on you. So I have a feeling that that aligns with that duck hunting adventure. Yeah. So it's the one and only time that I've been duck hunting and it was my, my buddy from high school. His name was Matt. And he was like, hey, Bailey, have you ever been duck hunting? I'm like, Matt, does it look like I've ever been duck hunting? And he was <laughs> like, nope. Do you want to come with me? And I'm like, sure. sure. Sounds like so much fun. Oh, my gosh. I just got some new camo Victoria's Secret pink fold over <laughs> yoga pants. Yeah. And so... We woke up at like 3.30 in the morning and I met him at the boat launch in like the bayou swamp in Louisiana, like towards the Mississippi line. Yes. And so we get his boat and it's, you know, it's still dark outside and it's pretty cold. But I'm like, yeah, man, I'm going duck hunting. And so we drive out, we boat out a little ways for like, I don't know, 15, 20 minutes. And then he stops and I'm like, "Mm -hmm -hmm. this is so much fun. I'm on boat. (laughs) We're going to duck hunt. And then he gets this other boat that was tucked away on his big boat and throws it into the water.
1: And Mm -hmm. I was like,
0: um... What's Excuse that, sir? What's that? And he was like, "That's our boat." I was like, "No, no, no, we're on a boat." And he was like, "No, no, no, we have to like boat out into the swamp." So this is the boat we're going to be on. And I was like, I-, "I can't be a bitch. I can't back out now." <laughs> You're like, sir, I did not read the fine print of this adventure to the swamplands. Yeah. And so he called it a P-Rog. And so I get in this boat and I'm shaking. And he was like, Bailey, you're going to have to really calm down and like take a deep breath because we cannot tip this boat over. There's too many alligators. And I was like, what the fuck? And so he shined his light. And all I saw were like hundreds of reflections, like little spots of reflections. And those were the fucking alligator eyes. You're like, you know, Matt, I need you to figure out a better way to calm people down because (laughs) highlighting the fact that I am literally between a rock and an alligator mouth is not that's not not helping helping my nerves. Yeah, it's not. I'm about to, as Grammy would say, I'm about to vapor. I'm I'm about to vapor. (laughs) Yeah. So we get in this little boat and we're paddling out. And then we get to this little like swamp patch of grass and he's like, okay, we're here. And I was like, I don't, I don't understand. So I got out and you just like walk through this like swamp grass. It's like a little like island of grass and swamp. Mm -hmm. Nope. And it's like up to your thighs. And then I'm sitting there and I hear this like buzzing. And I was like, are we close to... Like a, like a plant or something, not like a foliage plant, but like a industrial right. plant. And right. he was like, like a manufacturing. no, no, that's yeah. mosquitoes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. They're here to either give you the Zika virus or just eat you <laughs> yeah. like so, one of the two. And so I just sat there while he duck hunted and I was like, this is never happening Again, right? My I life flash before my eyes. I hope that 36 ounces of duck meat was worth it, Matthew. I, I don't even think I ate any of it, to be honest with no, you. Well, no, there probably wasn't enough for you to eat because, I mean, have we seen how much meat you get off of a duck? I can't imagine it's a lot, right? So, can't imagine. I felt like that was truly necessary to throw that in to just give you a context of like what are some of the dangers of duck hunting. Mhm. Mhm. Right? Well, and I imagine that this gentleman did not he thought about those dangers when he went duck hunting. He was like I might get bitten by mosquitoes. I might have to think about whether or not like this is a good area for me to load and unload a boat because I don't want it to tip over. I imagine that those are the dangers he thought about. But I imagine that you're going to tell me those were not the dangers. Correct. Okay. You are correct. You that is correct. Mike had frequented Lake Seminole on numerous occasions for duck hunting, which by all reports was a lifelong joy and hobby of his. Okay. Nothing about Williams' plans were out of the ordinary, as waking up early to go duck hunting was a regular thing that he would do, right? hmm So, in fact, right before his departure, before he left that morning, Mike told his wife that he planned to be back by noon That gave them plenty of time before their plans to celebrate their wedding anniversary that evening. Oh, Mike. When noon rolls around, Denise, who is Mike's wife, begins to panic because there is no sign of Mike or his boat. She couldn't get in touch with him and starts thinking of all these different scenarios. Denise calls her father and other close friends and family members to tell them that Mike has not returned home from his hunting trip. At this point, several things kind of happen at the same time. So Denise ends up calling the police department and immediately reports Mike missing because this was super out of character for him, right? If he Uh said he was going to be home, he was going to be home. Uh Uh-huh. And at the same time... Several of Mike's friends and family members head out to Lake Seminole to start searching for him because that's where he had told everybody he was going. Uh-huh. Okay. So about 12 hours after she made the report, and still no contact from Mike or anybody having any idea what could have happened to him, Lake Seminole would soon be swarming with rescue rescuers searching the land, the water, and air around it. Hmm. Alton Renew and David Arnett were two Florida Fish and Wildlife officers, and they were two of the first officials notified of the missing duck hunter. Mm -hmm. They assisted and coordinated in the search efforts, and it was massive. For nearly 24 hours, law enforcement personnel, along with Mike's family and friends, were searching a 5 to 10-acre grid for Mike, who had apparently vanished into thin air.
1: Oh, gosh.
0: So I don't know if, I don't know if we've talked about it. I think you touched on it a little bit. Like, but we grew up down in the deep South. Like we didn't grow up in Florida, but we grew up in Mississippi. And if you guys have not been down to that area, trying to search through swamp or bog area, Mm -hmm. it like good luck. It's like trying to find I mean a needle in a haystack. Like it it's just totally different wild terrain. Yeah. So five acres. Five to ten acres. But of swamp land, yeah. Yeah. Good luck. Yeah. Early the next morning, which is now Sunday, December seventeenth. Brian Winchester, who was Mike's longtime best friend, who was also helping with the search, unfortunately was the one who discovered Mike's small motorized boat. It was brushed up on the lake shore, but there was no sign of Mike. Okay. In his boat were some decoys and his shotgun, normal, right, for him to go duck hunting. Right. But other than that, there were no clues or any indications on the whereabouts of Mike Williams. The searchers also found Mike's abandoned Ford Bronco about 75 yards away from where they ended up finding his boat. Soon after this discovery, due to the wild nature of Lake Seminole, hopes began to dwindle that Mike would be found alive. So the search and rush... hmm so the search and rescue slowly turned into a search and recovery for mike's body Mm -hmm. along with bringing in cadaver dogs teams scored the murky bottom of lake seminole in a gruesome search for mike's body Mm. so as i mentioned lake seminole was kind of a wild place and kind of like what you had said It's swampy, full of gators, and was also known as the stump field because of the tree stumps that would jut out of the water. Yeah, yeah. Which is a pretty typical thing that you see in these areas, right? Right. Needless to say, it takes some level of expertise and experience to be able to navigate something like Lake Seminole in a small boat. You know, having to maneuver around the tree stumps, not getting stuck, stuff like that. Like, if you and I were to hop on a boat and go out there, we would probably get stuck. Or, Yeah. It, right? Yeah, exactly. But, I mean, Mike's been doing this for, like, his whole life. Yeah. Like, his whole life. Like, this is second nature for him. Yeah. But because of this kind of wild nature and the stumps that jutted out of the water, there was a growing concern or suspicion that maybe Mike had gotten himself caught up in the stumpy waters Fallen mm-hmm. out and potentially drowned. Yeah, I mean, yeah. Or gators. I mean, like you said, dude. Do you remember about that kid that got snatched by a gator over there, like around Disney? It was like ten years ago or something like that. It was this big case of this gator that came up out of the water and snatched this little kid, and like drug him back into the water. Whoa. I'll have to. I'll have to look up that one because I, y'all. It's it's crazy. Like. It's wild. It really is wild. Like, Mm -hmm. in general, but that part of the world is, it's just a whole nother, it's another dimension. Yeah. So with, with no body or any evidence at all to suggest foul play, investigators eventually reached a conclusion that Mike Williams had fallen off his boat, drowned, and succumbed to the appetite of the local wildlife. (laughs) Hmm. <laughs> Mike. Mm-hmm. According to the Tallahassee Democrat, which, by the way, is where I get, they really covered this from point A to point B. Uh-huh. And this is where I got, like, all the different articles, but shout out to the Tallahassee Democrat because they did a really great job covering this case. hmm hmm So according to the Tallahassee Democrat, Florida Fish and Wildlife Officer David Arnett was quoted as saying, Everyone knows the lake is full of alligators. You look for other answers. Why hasn't the body appeared? Right? hmm So they came to this conclusion because if Mike had drowned, unless he was caught up on something, his body would have floated to the surface. Right. Yes. Naturally, Mike's family was pretty skeptical of this conclusion because he was arguably a seasoned duck hunter He had navigated the treacherous waters of Lake Seminole countless times before, right? This was just, it didn't make any sense to them. Yeah. But again, with no body and no other compelling evidence whatsoever, investigators assumed he had either been eaten by alligators or, like other drowning incidences, his body would eventually float to the surface, like I said. Yeah. Okay. As the family waited over the coming days, his body never surfaced. With this, according to Jennifer Portman's article, again in the Tallahassee Democrat, it was suggested that perhaps Williams's body had, quote, become entangled in the beds of dense hydrilla beneath the lake surface and then found by the alligators later with turtles and catfish finishing what they had left behind, end quote. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I feel like that's plausible in that area. Right. But I have a feeling that that is not what happened i have a feeling that we are looking at this from a from a very like biological eco system logical outlook and i have a feeling well remember i didn't i didn't title this as a murder i titled it as a tragic death <gasps> oh no so never know so it could, oh it could be It could be like a Sasquatch, like a bear-man pig.
1: A chupacabra.
0: A chupacabra. A man-bear pig, half-man, half-bear, half-pig. Half-pig. So even though search efforts continued, no further definite evidence of what happened to Mike was found. After a grueling 44-day search, (laughs) in February of 2001, the search had been called off. With this, Mike's wife, Denise, and his family arranged a memorial service for Mike to be held the day after the search was called off. Poor Denise. Like, I hate that stuff, man. I know. Bless her. She was so excited about going to their anniversary dinner, and here they are. It gets more sad. It gets more sad. As I mentioned before, Mike had plans to return home and celebrate his anniversary with his wife, Denise. They were celebrating six years of marriage, though they had been together for many years as they were high school sweethearts. Of course they were. Of <laughs> course they were. They beat all the odds just yeah. to have the bear man alligator get him. Yeah. Mike and Denise had an 18-month-old daughter no. at the time of his disappearance. Mike had made a comfortable life for him and his family as a successful real estate appraiser. By all accounts, the Williams had a happy marriage and a happy life, and there were no reasons whatsoever for Mike to just abscond. There is no way that he was going to leave his wife and daughter voluntarily or, like, run off to Mexico or something crazy like that. Okay. He was a dedicated father and husband and was a motivated, career-driven individual who worked hard and provided for his family. There were no enemies, there were no shady money deals, and absolutely no other indicators that Mike was in any kind of trouble. Relationally, socially, or financially, he was just a rock-solid guy with a normal life. Yeah, he's just a good old-fashioned dude. Like, he's country boy. Yeah, good old-fashioned country boy. So, Mike's family... Obviously, they were devastated by the ongoing mystery and, like, what happened to Mike. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Mike's mother, Cheryl Williams, however, was still not convinced that he drowned or had been eaten by alligators in Lake Seminole. She probably had that mama intuition. That mama intuition, you know it. It just didn't make any sense to any of them. If Mike had drowned on the lake after, let's say, a freak accident, his body would be the only one of 80 known deaths in Lake Seminole never to have been found. Right, right. You know what I mean? I mean, I don't, those are not good odds. Right, so it just wasn't adding up. It just just wasn't adding up. Six or seven months after his disappearance and supposed drowning, Mike's wife Denise accepted that her husband had died and petitioned to have a judge rule on Mike's death because around that same time, Mike's hunting license, jacket, and waders were discovered in Lake Seminole. What? Mm-hmm. So, like, how? Like, you said how many months later? Six to seven months later, or six and a half months later. And then they found his waders and his hunting license and his jacket. Yes, in the what? in the lake. In the lake. In the lake. Okay i mean it's not it's not weird it's not uh what's the word i'm thinking of unreasonable i guess because it lakes are really big right and having lots of like things kind of wash up later probably isn't super out of the ordinary Right? right i don't know but this is just getting weird yeah what is wild so i gave you that and i'm gonna throw you a bone the waders that were found in Lake Seminole that were assumed to belong to Mike had no teeth marks or any other damage. And they weren't slimy. You know what I mean? Not, no, that's not. There's no way. There's no way. Not in that Petri dish. Petri mm. dish of a lake. There's no way. None of the recovered items showed any signs of having been in the water for the length of time Mike had been missing. There was even a flashlight discovered with the waiters that were still working. That was still working. No. Nope. That's (laughs) cap. That's as the the junior high kids would say, that cap. That cap. That's a lie. That's a lie. I mean, I'm no fucking flashlight expert here, but I would think that if a flashlight was submerged for almost seven months, it probably wouldn't work anymore. No, no. Nope. Elon Musk has not started making flashlights, so nope. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Despite this discovery, investigators could find no DNA evidence to prove that the clothing found belonged to Mike Williams. Okay. So there wasn't any definite proof that it was his. Other than the hunting license. Right. hmm <laughs> Because of the kind of theory that Mike died in... Seminole lake along with the discovery of what was believed to be his clothing um denise petitioned a court to legally declare mike dead because under florida law it would take five years to declare him dead without any proof right Mm -hmm. so arguably now that there was proof that mike had had died despite Mm -hmm. there being no body There, the judge did decide to declare Mike legally dead. Okay. And just to, again, to play devil's advocate, we're, we're covering, you know, eight months of trauma in like 15 minutes. And when you're in it, it might not necessarily seem that weird because it's, there's so much that happens between these events. Does that make sense? Yeah. Are you talking about, like, with her petitioning for the judge to declare him Yeah, and, like, them dead? finding the pants and, you know, like, that kind of yeah. stuff. Yeah. 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 Well, mm-hmm. and I, you know, and I think we've talked about it just in years past where it's like, you know, everybody's always like, oh, what were the police doing? And it's like, well, this isn't the only case they're working on,
1: mm-hmm. right?
0: Like, yes, I'm sure they are probably putting a ton of effort to it. But there's a ton of other stuff going on as well. I mean, it's a big area. Yeah. And so the the ruling was based on the known circumstances in the case and the theory that he had been eaten by an alligator after falling in the water while hunting alone. Okay. Right? I mean, it's reasonable. Reasonable. It makes sense. Mm Mm-hmm. So, over the years to come, Mike's family still had their doubts about the theory that he had drowned and that his body had been eaten by alligators. hmm Mike's mother, Cheryl Williams, so Miss Cheryl, continued to press investigators about the suspicious circumstances surrounding her son's quote-unquote death. Right? Mm-hmm. She was absolutely emphatic that Mike did not drown or die in Lake Seminole. Okay. Cheryl was so convinced that Mike did not die in that lake that she did her own advocating and appealing on behalf of her son. Okay. Cheryl, it's so it's so sad, but it's so cute. Cheryl would make missing posters, like picket signs. Yeah. With a picture of Mike's face and the date of his disappearance on it. And she would walk up and down in front of her church, the Four Oaks Community Church. And just mm-hmm. like almost protest right and Uh, she would put billboards up around town every year bringing awareness to her son's case and this is my favorite cheryl williams part she wrote the governor of florida a letter every fucking day for nine years dude yeah investigators were able to identify that she wrote over 1,400 letters to the governor of Florida alone. So, and, and just kind of like, hey, we need to investigate this. My son did not drown. There's some, like, There was foul play. Like, I just know yeah. it. I know it in my heart. I know it in mm-hmm. my bones. I feel it in my, my fingers. fingers. <laughs> I feel it in my toes. All right. So yeah, she she was on it. She kept like notebooks and she would write all this stuff down. She was she was totally on top of this whole thing. Okay. Sadly, as we often see in missing persons cases, the circumstances around Mike's disappearance definitely created tension in the family. Right? Mm, yeah. So with Cheryl's arguable obsession to find the truth about her son, It was difficult for other members of the family to move on with their lives even years later. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And that is kind of a bittersweet thing because, I mean, I think grief is a funny thing, right? Like some people, I I don't know, like some people find comfort in hanging on, right? And then Mm -hmm. some people find comfort with moving on. And if you have one person who is, you know, moving on too quickly, quote unquote, and then you have other people who are hanging on too tight. Mm -hmm. I mean, yeah, it just causes a lot of it's kind of like politics around the Thanksgiving table, right? Like, it's just everybody's going to have a different opinion on how you should grieve, what you should do in those situations, because there is no closure, right? Mm -hmm. Like, there's nothing concrete especially with stuff like this with with yeah, like there's just, just nothing Garrett's concrete. Is. Yeah. So more specifically, Cheryl's relationship with her daughter-in-law became virtually non-existent. Denise was adamant on Cheryl dropping the push for the investigation, claiming it was too painful to try to raise her daughter and have all of these things still going on. While yeah. Cheryl couldn't she just could not understand how Denise voiced her need to move on without the more proof of evidence of what happened to Mike. So again, it's exactly what you were saying. You have this kind of widow who's raising, she's now a single mom and she's like, I can't, I cannot handle this. Right. And then the mom who's like, I can't believe that you can't handle this. You know what I mean? Yeah, exactly. And both of them are right. And both of them are wrong. Right. Like there's really no, I just feel like what's the answer to that? Which one's right, which one's wrong? And you're like, the answer is yes. Right. You know what I mean? Mm Mm-hmm. For sure. So now we're going to jump to 2004. So it'll be four years after Mike's, whether you want to call it a disappearance or a death. Right? Right. Yes. So as I mentioned before, Mike's mother, Cheryl, went hard for years trying to convince authorities that Mike's death needed a second look. Right? Okay. So in 2004, the Florida Department of Law Enforcement, the FDLE, I'm just going to say the FDLE yeah. when it pops up, Yeah, they actually agreed to reopen the case. Okay. Now, the FDLE does not normally have jurisdiction in missing persons cases and can't just decide to reopen a case with a request from an adamant mother. Like, you can't just walk in there and be like, this is how I feel you need to reopen a case. There's a lot more kind of like red tape that right right but as it turns out under certain circumstances it can happen and that's exactly what happened in the case of Mike Williams okay it did because there were now many officers in agreement officers and officials in agreement with Cheryl that the circumstances surrounding Mike's apparent drowning four years before were suspicious to say the least Right. And that kind of going back to the fact that they had had 80 tragic deaths on the lake and they'd recovered 80 bodies. Right. Right. And Mike would have been 81. But there's no body. Correct. Okay. There are many reasons they chose to reopen the case. And as reported by Jennifer Portman, also shout out to Jennifer Portman because she did a great job um, covering this case as well according to her article in 2006, which I'll include in the show notes. Some of the reasons are, number one, the boat launch where Mike's Bronco was found, which he used most of the time and where he would have likely used to put his boat in the lake, the Bronco was found on an underdeveloped patch of mud. Yet nearby, there were finished concrete launches that he was known to have used so why would Hmm. he have his bronco parked in this like muddy patch rather than close to like an actual concreted boat launch right? right right number two the storm apparently there was a storm the night after he was reported missing and it had westerly winds So it should have blown the abandoned boat across the lake to the Georgia side, but it was found on the other side. Oh. Yeah. You can't can't BS Mother Nature, man. That's right. Number three, when the boat was recovered, the engine was off, but the gas tank was full. And so according to a representative of the manufacturer for that specific boat, if the engine had been running when when Mike possibly, right, fell off the boat, as that was theorized, the engine should have stayed on at, with the boat running in circles until the fuel right. was empty. But it had a full tank of gas. Yeah, it's not going to have some sensor automatic kill switch when it detects that there's no person in the boat anymore. Like, it, it is still 2000. Like, it's not that... We're not that scientific yet with our equipment. Right. And I kind of added a fourth of my own. So it was likely that Mike Williams wouldn't have drowned wearing his waders. Because remember, his quote unquote waders were found six and a half months later, right? Uh Uh-huh. But according to a different article from the Tallahassee Democrat, Howard Drew, which was a good friend of Mike's, Uh He was the man who taught Mike how to duck hunt and was reported as saying, quote, many of good man and woman went to the bottom in waders, end quote. So when Mike had bought his pair of waders, his buddy Drew helped Williams practice in a swimming pool how to get out of a pair of waders filling with water.
1: Oh,
0: So, like, this is the type of person that Mike was, is he was very prepared. He was very safe. Yeah. And and there are a lot of, like, drowning incidences, I guess, with waiters. Because they can fill up, and essentially it just kind of becomes, like, a suction down for you. Yes. Yes. But Mike was so aware of this that when he bought a pair, they practiced how to get out of it. Huh. So this gives... You know, an idea. and I, he's kind of a Boy Scout personality, yeah. if you will. Right. Right. He didn't do any of this stuff half assed and he was always prepared for the worst. Uh-huh. So, with, with all of these unusual or suspicious factors, it became evident to many law enforcement officials that there needed to be a second look. Okay. Fair. Yeah. So now we are in 2007. Uh, and again, the disappearance happened in 2000. Mm-hmm. 3 years after the FDLE opened the case in 2004, it again closed it in 2007. Okay. It it was reported that there was just a lack of evidence, right, as the primary reason for the closure of this of this case. Yeah. Right? Specifically because from the very beginning Mike Williams' disappearance was treated really as a hunting accident from the beginning hmm. Mm-hmm. Which meant that there was essentially no forensic evidence of the crime scene. And as a matter of fact, there really wasn't even a crime scene to begin with. Right. Yeah. So they didn't get there. They didn't, you know, tape off. They, they didn't treat it like that because it was just maybe he's run out of gas on the lake. You know, we got to find this this missing hunter. Right. Correct. So the next year in 2008... The Florida Department of Financial Services Division of Insurance Fraud, which is DIF, along with the with the FDLE, the Florida Department of Law Enforcement, they opened the case again, but from the angle of fraud. Now, this normally wouldn't happen under Florida law because of the statute of limitations being five years for a crime. Mm-hmm. However, certain circumstances can essentially provide the justification to open reopen a case. Yeah. One example of kind of a justification is discovering that a potential victim had a su- a substantial life insurance policy-, policy with a large payout. You know what, I when you were okay, I I'm uh I really 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 want to say something. I really want to say something, but I feel like I should just let you continue mm-hmm. on. but all I'm gonna say is when you were like, you know, in the state of Florida, they usually wait five years, but the wife is petitioning to get it done faster, I'm always like, mm, are you are you Denise? <laughs> Why do you need that D-nice? To be closed? Okay, D nice. All right, D nice. Oh, man. And I really was wanting you to not bring up any sort of, like, fraud or life insurance. You're going to have to hold your horses. Uh, I I can't. Okay, go. Hurry. Hurry up. Literally, my next sentence was, however, by 2011, the Florida's Division of Insurance Fraud, the um, FDIF, closed their investigation due to a lack of evidence.
1: Mm-hmm. So they didn't
0: find anything
1: mm-hmm.
0: or they found stuff. I don't know. There was no kind of indication of whether they found it or not, but they closed it after in 2011. So okay. we're eight years into the open and closed case of Mike Williams. And there's just no evidence to support Cheryl's beliefs that something other than this ruling of the accidental death happened to him. Mm-hmm. OK. Now, I put a little like mini disclaimer in here. I'm going to try to keep the events in this episode along a similar timeline of how they unfolded in real life. So the timelines might be a little all over the place, but I'll do my best to make it make sense. Mm -hmm. So we just covered Mike's disappearance and some of the investigations following his disappearance, which covered the years 2000 to 2007. Yes. Yes. At this point, I'm going to jump forward to the year 2016. Okay. okay. So, sixteen years after Mike Williams's disappearance or death, again, mm-hmm. yeah, this is where the first crack in the case came that would eventually lead to all of the answers we have been hoping for. Uh. Ready? Ba-ba-ba-na. Yeah, I want a crack. Give me a crack. Mm-hmm. In two thousand and sixteen. Denise, remember Mike's wife, found herself mm-hmm. in her local Florida police station filing a kidnapping report. Filing a kidnapping report? Yes. 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 With uh, okay, go, go. This <laughs> this report was not for her daughter. It what? was. It was for herself. What? <laughs> How do you? What? How do you? Tell... Just how... Okay. Musa. You- she had gone down to her local police department to file a kidnapping report on her husband, who had apparently kidnapped her at gunpoint her- recently. That's why she went down there. Her old husband or her new husband? Her new husband. Oh. It is reported that in 2012, so her new husband that she was with... They had separated due to reports that her husband was allegedly a sex addict. Mm -hmm. Since there were obvious irreconcilable differences, she officially filed for divorce in 2015. This guy, by all accounts, did not take this well. Mm -hmm. At first, he fought the divorce filings and eventually had to be ordered to comply. Mm -hmm. As part of these as part of this order, he had to provide an appraisal of the couple's house, which was due later that month in August of 2016. Okay. So he's he's kind of cracking under this like divorce separation, you know, pressure.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Fearful of the repercussions of his marriage falling apart, he had become desperate. So on August 5th, 2016, he had waited in Denise's vehicle carrying a gun. This is when the attempted kidnapping had happened, which spurred the events of Denise filing this kidnapping report. Makes sense? Well, now I feel bad for Denise again. After his attempt to kidnap her, I mean, he actually did kidnap her, but she convinced him to not, and that's when she went to police. Okay. Her husband was arrested and charged with kidnapping, domestic assault, and armed burglary. Two of those charges are felony charges. Mm-hmm. Okay. At the same turn of events, Denise had filed an order of protection through the court. So, on top of the kidnap, her husband was held without bond because she filed this protection order and because of the nature of the crime. Okay. And so he's in jail without bond. And 16 months later, so in December of 2017, his husband was sentenced to 20 years in prison. Okay. For the kidnapping. And for the kidnapping. Burglary and domestic assault and all that. Yeah. Yeah. And all that jazz. Ba-da-ba-ba. So, who was this mystery husband of hers? I'm so oh. glad you asked. Oh. All right. Turns out, turns out, Denise was filing a report against Brian Winchester. Hmm. Brian Winchester was his best friend. That was his BFF. <sighs> what I- uh, <laughs> Mike Williams is life long best friend yup nope alright be Ryan be nice so-, <laughs> so I just want you to hang on to this little nugget of information because we are going to circle back to that Okay. Oh, I bet we will. Brian ain't going anywhere because he's a baby back bitch who's sitting in prison for attempting to have <laughs> <snap> his wife. <laughs> oh, be Ryan. <laughs> Y'all need to get better hobbies. How many times? How many <laughs> like, times? Every it's episode. It's probably because he didn't get invited to prom. That's probably what. It probably happened because he didn't get invited to prom. Just like I didn't get invited to prom. That's Uh, probably what happened with B. Ryan. B. Ryan. Okay, so next the next year. Now we're in 2017. About a year after this wild kidnapping of Denise, something totally crazy and unpredictable happened for this case. B. Ryan Mm -hmm. confessed. No. mm -mm. So now this year is 2017 and it's been 17 years since Mike Williams disappeared. I think we have established that throughout the years, his disappearance had been a revolving door of open and shut case files due to lack of evidence, statute of limitations, and all sorts of bull honky, right? Correct. However, apparently law enforcement officials never totally abandoned the case in the huge mystery about what happened, what really happened to Mike Williams. Yeah, you keep it in back pocket. It's a weird back case. Pocket. You keep it in a back pocket. Mama Williams is convinced. Yeah, Mama Williams is on top of it. She's on it like white on rice. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So on October twelfth, two thousand and seventeen, acting on new information, mm-hmm. Florida Department of Law Enforcement, the FDLE investigators began work to excavate Gardner Road Landing in Leon County, Florida. Okay. This location was about an hour southeast of Seminole Lake where Mike disappeared and was about five miles from where he grew up. Okay. According to a different article by Jennifer Portman titled A Nasty Wicked Place, How Mike Williams' Body Was Discovered by the Grace of God. For the next five days, county workers, FDLE investigators, cadaver dogs, and their handlers, so about 30 people and dogs in all, worked up to 16 hours a day shifting and searching through thick mud. Apparently, this excavation was a big undertaking. The investigators and workers were fighting the water from Lake Carr, which is where the site was, Mm-hmm. And trying to avoid the eels and water moccasins that were living in and around the excavation site, right? It's not, it's a wicked place, as she said. Mm-hmm. So now they were, they were, they were building a road. Is that what you said? mm well, Why were they excavating it? Because they were acting on new information. Oh, okay. Yes. New information, mm-hmm. excavating it. Okay. Yep. I'm there. I'm, I'm here for it. Day after day, the workers kept digging and kept digging, and they were not finding anything. Just when they were about to pull the plug and hand this project over to a private company, they found something. Oh, they found a toe? They found a big toe. Finally, after 17 years of mystery and heartache, the body of Mike Williams was finally found. Fairly well preserved. What? His body and clothing were still intact there were still his cold-weather gloves on his hands and his little outdoor shoes on his feet. Down in the mud? Down in the mud. Like eight feet down in the mud. What? Investigators did two separate DNA tests, and both tests verified that the body in the mud by Lake Carr in Leon County, Florida, was, in fact, the body of Mike Williams. Mike, how'd you get down in that mud? Who put you... Who put you down in that mood? Nobody puts Mike in the mud. (laughs) Nobody (laughs) Nobody puts Mike in the mud. Okay. Now, remember the whole kidnapping thing with D-Nice in August of Mm -hmm. 2016? Mm -hmm. And how Mm -hmm. her her husband was sentenced to 20 years in prison, blah, blah, blah. Mm -hmm. Well, remember, this is now December 2017 Mm -hmm. Brian had been found guilty of kidnapping. Mm -hmm. So the next day after his sentencing, Special Agent Mike Perez of the FDLE, who was in charge of the investigation, he gives a press conference. Okay. At the press conference, he says, quote, Standing here now, I can tell you that we know what happened to Mike Williams. He was murdered. end quote special agent perez declined to identify anything further leaving many questions for the public well yeah i got some questions (sighs) what special agent perez knew during that press conference but no one outside of his team and investigators knew was that when brian winchester was in custody for the kidnapping charge of denise he was questioned about Mike's murder because now they had at this point found the body and had evidence that it was a homicide. Okay. Are you following? I mean, yeah, but it just so happens that he was in custody for kidnapping Mike's ex- what widow widow widow, mm-hmm. widow. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. oh my word y'all this is wild okay yeah so he was in he was in custody because of the kidnapping correct and while he was in custody they were like oh by the way we just found mike's body correct so since you're here we'll kind of kill two birds with one stone yep okay uh-huh. exactly And I put in all caps, it did not take long for Brian Winchester to crack. (laughs) Winchester agreed to answer questions about Mike Williams' disappearance or murder now in exchange for immunity from any charges connecting to his murderer and if he received a reduced sentence on his aggravated kidnapping charge. And I put in all caps, what a bitch. Am I right? I, I mean... Oh gosh. Oh, be Ryan.
1: Oh, be Ryan. I the, hate tr- you.
0: <laughs> the truth about what happened to Mike on that winter day in December of 2000, nearly 17 years prior, would finally come to light. So, before we get into the details of the murder, let's kind of finally see how these puzzle pieces all fit together. Okay. So now we're going to jump all the way back to 1997. Okay. If they were in, are, were they in high school at this time? You to hold your horses. Huh. In, in an interview with police, Winchester explained that this clusterfuck starts all the way back in
1: 1997.
0: hmm Denise and Mike Williams were good friends with Brian Winchester and his then wife, Kathy. Mm-hmm. Interestingly, Mike, Brian, Kathy, and Denise all went to North Florida Christian School in Tallahassee, Florida, and remember, Mike and Denise were high school sweethearts. Mm-hmm. So these dynamics go way back to high school for these four individuals. Both couples were, were married in 1994. They both bought houses at the same time. I think they had kids around the same time, mm-hmm. and they were they were a very close quartet often visiting one another and going on vacations together Mm -hmm. the pairs were reportedly inseparable right however the crack in these couples lives started in 1997 and i just want to throw this out there that this is only three years into their marriage like get a fucking grip right can y'all all get a grip three you've been married for three years and cracks start happening get your shit together right what type of well tell me what these cracks are they start (laughs) swinging are they swinging are they wife swapping are they wife swapping according to an article by gabriella paella the catalyst to this messy web started when the two couples i don't mean to laugh (laughs) when the two couples went to a sister hazel concert together in 1977 (laughs) like sister it's hard to say what it is is i see in you you. wonder if i love sister hazel and their one hit yeah it was there where brian and denise shared a kiss inside the (gasps) venue while mike and kathy were out parking the fucking cars you know what who why is (laughs) why is kathy parking the car because brian's a bitch now, I think we all know that where this is going, right? right? Okay, you know what? I bet you that in their Christian upbringing, wife swapping or like wife affairs or cheating on your Kathy while she's parking your truck is not part of Fruit <laughs> of the Spirits. I'm pretty sure that that's not one of the Fruit of the Spirits. Yeah, yeah. Mm hmm. Yeah. I guess B. Ryan missed that day on Thou Shalt Not Be a Loser. <laughs> An L7 Weenie. An L7 Weenie. Gosh dang. This B. apparent Ryan, romantic fucking nice. kiss at Sister Hazel concert flung Brian and Denise's affair into full swing, unbeknownst to Mike and Kathy, at least initially. It is reported, though, that Kathy began to have her suspicions about the affair by 1999, but I don't know, I don't think Mike had any suspicions of his own, at least none that were reported. I bet Brian was a sex addict way before Uh, I figured it out, like, for sure. Ugh, whatever. Brian and Denise would meet up regularly while Mike was at work or out of town, and they were bold bold they'd meet up to they would meet up to 15 times a week at one point brian even accompanied denise on one of mike's work trips out of town unbeknownst to mike so brian went on a different flight or drove on his own got his own hotel so when mike would leave the hotel to go do what he was doing denise and him would just bump uglies Where was Kathy? Probably raising the kids. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Probably doing the laundry. Yeah. Probably doing his damn laundry. Getting his pit stains out of his shirts. (laughs) Yeah. So this continued for the next three years. You know, typical affair shit, right? Brian confessing his love for Denise, and Denise not wanting to rock any boat, but Brian's. (laughs) That's what I put. (laughs) so as it goes you know as it goes since Denise didn't believe in divorce oh yeah okay yeah (laughs) Find, find your conscience Denise and didn't want to go through a messy custody battle and financial battle and blah 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 I guess murder was the next option yeah how many times, how many times do we say, get a better hobby? Yeah. Get a better hobby. Yeah. Figure it out. Like, get like a gym Brewing your best friend's or your husband's best friend is not a super good hobby to have. Get a better hobby. Yeah. So according to Brian Winchester's confession, it was Denise's idea to kill her husband, Mike Williams. Nope. On top of that. On top of this, Brian shared that at the time of Mike's murder, Brian was a salesman. Do you want to guess what kind of a salesman he was? Brian was a salesman. Uh huh. Just take a guess. What kind of salesman was he? He was. Use a... context clues in the case that I've that we've talked about. He was a um, like a outdoor apparel salesman he was a no. boat salesman <laughs> he was a bronco salesman he was a mud he was a mud salesman he was an insurance a life insurance oh. salesman oh of course he was b ryan D and nice. he be old that he had encouraged his best friend for most of his life, Mike, to take out a $1 million life insurance policy just six months before Mike's death. hmm hmm mm-hmm. Do we want to guess who the beneficiary was? Oh, I'm sure it's D-Nice. Denise Williams. Oh, I'm sure it is Denise Williams. So Denise ended up getting roughly a 1.75 million dollar payout after the death of her husband and i remember (laughs) i hope you choke on that 1.75 million dollars i hope you choke on it Mm -hmm. and and remember she had petitioned the court to rule his disappearance of death because insure life insurance would not pay out unless there was a judge who had ruled legally that he was legally dead they wouldn't roll it on a disappearance
1: mhm
0: yeah uh yeah
1: it was and reported- i was
0: hoping it was because of her grief because her grief she wanted to just have some closure but of course of course it's not anything sweet mm-hmm. like that it was reported that he likes hates- you Denise and Brian did not move right into each other's arms right away after Mike's murder. They played it safe to avoid drawing suspicion to themselves, including cashing out the life insurance policy. I think it's no surprise that Brian Winchester and his wife Kathy divorced in 2001, and Denise and Brian kept their relationship under wraps until they ended up getting married in
1: 2005.
0: Mm -mm. So, nope. Now we have a motive and now we know a body was discovered. What on earth happened to Mike that day on December 16th, 2000? Right. So here is where it's really graphic. It's going to get really graphic and it's going to be really, really sad. Mm -hmm. So I'm going to attach a three minute audio of Brian Winchester telling the court the events that played out on that fateful day.
1: We launched the boat, it was just like a hunting trip was supposed to be. The plan, the plan that was discussed and come up with was that he was gonna be wearing waders. And the belief was, somebody falls in the water with waders, you're going down. So we went out like we were going hunting. Um, we got to the area where his waiters and jacket were found. I him to stand up, and I pushed him into the water. He he got his jacket off and his waders off. In a panic, obviously. I was in a panic. I was driving the boat, and I I didn't. I didn't know what to do. I ended up shooting him.
0: Okay. So is that it? It's just this two-minute clip? So he ended up shooting him because he was taking his waiters and his he was boy scouting his way out of his potential... Death from his best friend. Hmm. I mean, so- do you see this guy also like who wants to be having an affair with this guy? <sighs> I. I mean, apparently Denise did, right? Apparently. So. A better hobby. Now we know Mike Williams did not drown. He was not eaten by alligators he was murdered by his best fucking friend that he's known since he was a kid. His friend, who was fucking his wife and had been planning Mike's death for six months with his his best friend's wife. His quote-unquote friend, who convinced him to take out almost a $2 million life insurance policy that I'm sure Brian would later, you know, get his grubby fucking fingers on. Right. Right. And as you heard from the details in the audio, Brian said he planned to make it look like Williams had drowned. But after pushing him overboard, Williams did not get dragged underwater because he fucking practiced that with his buddy Drew. Right. Right. So what does Brian Winchester do while Mike is in the freezing cold water clinging to a jagged stump protruding from the water? Brian Winchester proceeds to shoot him in the face with a 12-gauge shotgun. I, I mean, are there words? Are there words for this stuff? Like, get a better hobby, people. Get a better hobby. Don't be that guy. Just don't be that guy. And I think the thing that really bothers me about this whole thing is the moment that Mike was in the water, probably thinking it was an accident at first because of, like, shock. And then he's hanging to this, this stump as he's freezing, and then he sees his best friend point a shotgun in his face you know what this is doing for me? This is giving me really awful 10-year-old flashbacks of watching The Lion King for the first time. Oh, yeah. And Mufasa, you know, like, whatever the dad's name is, is, like, hanging from that ledge. And he's like, help me, brother. And he's like, and he kills him. And I remember seeing that and just being shook. Mm-hmm. 10-year-old Chelsea was like, "Yeah." Yeah, I remember feeling like what? so straight, man. Right? Like it's a next level evil. What is wrong with you? <sighs> so, after he shoots Mike in the face with a 12 gauge shotgun, he picks his body up out of the water, pulls it into the boat, and then pulls it to the shore. And then puts him in the back of his fucking pickup truck and drove back to Tallahassee. Brian then buries him later in the same day by that location where Mike was eventually found by Lake Carr, which is about an hour away from Lake Seminole. Yeah. And so he and after he did all of this, he went to a fucking Christmas party with his family. That no, I did not. What is wrong with these people? You know what? I okay, I talk about things that I feel need to be mandatory. And one of the things that need to be mandatory is we need to have brain scans. We need to have brain scans of all of these individuals that are in the prison system, all of these criminals, because I want to literally know what is wrong with their gray matter. Like,
1: mm-hmm. and if
0: there's nothing wrong with your brain, then you're just a teenage dirtbag, and I hate you.
1: Mm-hmm. So, I want brain scans. Uh,
0: yeah, we need to get little. We'll we'll just get little pickets and put. Gra- we need brain scans now. In I'm March. gonna go pick it with Mama Williams. You know, like right next to her, and it's like we yeah. need to find Mike. We need brain scans to figure out why these people are teenage dirt bags. Uh, I know. And so, Brian, it was also reported, and I didn't put this in there because you guys don't have any idea unless you do this stuff, like how much researching and typing goes into these episodes. And so sometimes you just forget things, but you have it in your brain. When he found the boat, right, when they were initially searching for Mike. Mm Mm-hmm. Brian was like oh you know like I'm so overwhelmed and then Mike's boss was there I think his name was Clay he Mm -hmm. was search efforts Mm -hmm. and so he would take Brian like down to the local gas station and get like you know a coke and a fucking Slim Jim or something because Mike couldn't or I'm sorry Brian couldn't stand the whole like they might find him and was just like so beside himself oh my gosh Oh, and so Brian would ultimately go on to share this confession in court and also to testify in court against his now estranged wife, Denise. What does Denise have to say about all this? <laughs> Please tell us. Please tell me why, Denise, and do not blame it on pregnancy brain. This is not a case of pregnancy brain. No uh uh-uh. So five months after they discovered Mike's body, along with the details that Brian gave in his confession, that led to charges being brought up against Denise. Yeah! So on May 8th, 2018, Denise Williams Winchester, what the fuck ever, Denise W., was arrested. She was leaving her job at Florida State University to go and celebrate her daughter's 19th birthday. And I'm not including Mike and Denise's daughter's name in here, even though it's no. been published, but like no. she, I'm just not doing that. No. Um, she was completely like, ble- literally bless her heart. Like, are you kidding me? I know. I, oh, uh, that's a whole nother episode in itself of uh-huh. just like, good job. On, yeah. Good job on creating generational, like, Mark my word, this will be generational trauma for this oh, girl. Yeah. yeah. Like her kids will have trauma. Lots of people will have trauma because of one or two people's selfish a hole mentality. Mm-hmm. Get a better hobby. So, Denise's arrest came just minutes after a grand jury indicted her on charges of first degree murder, conspiracy to commit first degree murder and accessory after the fact mm-hmm. and just as a little side fun fact not long after her arrest on May 8th August 9th of that same year she was charged with three counts of insurance fraud in connection with the 2000 murder of her then husband Mike Williams i hate it I'm telling you the love of money people it's not money itself i want to be very clear on this it is not money itself that is the root of all evil it is the love of money it is the mm-hmm. obsession with money that i will st- i will die on that hill that is the root of all evil is your love of money mm-hmm. yeah and and yes i agree with you on that and while she was in custody on the attempted murder conspiracy and accessory charges she was ordered to be held without bond Right. And so the trial date was set for September 24th, 2018. So she awaits her murder trial to begin that September for those indictments. During Denise's murder trial, Mike's family and friends showed up and showed their love and support for Mike Williams. Mama Cheryl Mm -hmm.
1: was given
0: the opportunity to provide testimony in the trial on behalf of her son. According to Carl Eder's article, again in the Tallahassee Democrat, during her testimony, her mother recounted the gruesome details of her son's killing and the recurring nightmares of his final moments. She said, quote, Mike suffered horribly. For the rest of my life, when I try to go to sleep, I see my son clinging to a stump in freezing water. Please don't show her any mercy. She didn't show my son any mercy. She took him away from his daughter, family, and friends. End quote. Y'all, I I just, I'm going to leave this here again. You know, you know, they were all friends. We've talked about this. They were all friends in high school. They hung out. They hung out with Mama Cheryl. She probably made them grilled cheese sandwiches and cooked them, baked them cookies. You know what? I can't. And to just blatant disregard what is wrong with you? What is Mm -hmm. wrong with you? Yeah. After powerful testimonies and with Brian Winchester's confession, in December of 2018, a jury found Denise Williams, Winchester, whatever, guilty of all three charges, including conspiracy to commit murder, first-degree murder, and accessory after the fact. Again, according to the same article by Carl Edders, Leon County Circuit Judge Kevin J. Carroll, presiding over Denise's trial, was quoted as saying, I don't find she was a relatively minor participant in the conspiracy to kill Mike Williams. Mrs. Williams could have stopped this on December 16th, as she had done before. This case is a tragedy, this case is a waste, and it didn't have to happen, end quote. Yep. Right? So a few months later, on February 7th, 2019, Denise was given a mandatory life sentence without parole for the murder, as well as additional 30 years for the conspiracy charge, which was given after only eight hours of deliberation by a jury. Mm
1: Mm-hmm.
0: As I mentioned before, Brian, baby back bitch Brian, received full immunity for testifying against Denise and will be left only to serve his 20-year sentence for her kidnapping charge in 2016.
1: Oh. Oh, my gosh.
0: However, 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 in November of 2020, a district court of appeals overturned Denise's conviction and sentencing. They ruled that the state prosecutors had not successfully proven that Denise Williams had helped Brian Winchester actually carry out the murder. According to a New York Post article by Jackie Salo, Denise's attorney, Philip Padovano, was quoted as saying, there is no tangible evidence or physical evidence tying Denise Williams to this crime. All you will have to go on is the word of the man who actually committed the murder, end quote. And the Court of Appeals agreed. They agreed. With this, Denise's murder charge was dropped. I but... need you to shut your mouth. I need you to shut <laughs> your mouth when you're talking to me. But her other charge, which was conspiracy to commit murder, was upheld. This left her serving a 30-year prison sentence for the conspiracy of the murder of her first husband, Mike Williams. And I wanted to leave with this little quote. After the trial in Richard Schlesinger's article in CBS News, Clay Ketchum, who was Mike's boss and friend, was quoted as saying, Well, I think you know... It's because he was such a good guy. He loved to work. He loved his family. He put him on a pedestal and he got killed for it. That's the irony of this is this kid did nothing wrong. And that is the saddest, most horrifically wild and tragic case of the murder of Mike Williams. Like, I'm going, I'm going home. I'm going to go, I'm going home. Like, I... And so what's really sad is Mike and um, D-Nice's daughter was naturally supportive of her mother in court. Her -hmm. perspective, because she grew up with Brian as her stepdad, or really the only father figure she knew. She was only 18 months old when when her dad died. She believes that there's no way that her mom would have conspired to kill her, you know, her father, Mm -hmm. but that she acted independently and like she said, the daughter had said, I'd never seen him consult with her on anything like he was the mastermind behind this. So, you know, I think it's it's one of those things that I I think, you know, when you have a lot of emotions, you want to be like, screw this person and screw that person. Yeah. Um, I just, I, for sure we can say screw Brian Winchester because he admitted yeah. to actually killing Mike, yeah. you know, cause even if she wanted to go through with it, I mean, that makes her kind of a bitch too, but right. even if she wanted it, he's the one who followed through and carried it out, you no, know? No, I know. But then she's also, it's just as bad because she, I don't know. She said she had no idea that she to this day she vehemently denies having any knowledge or any involvement in Mike's disappearance, murder, anything. She said she had no idea what Brian was doing. So, I I don't know. I don't know. And you know what? Whatever. Like if that's if that's what helps her sleep at night and if she was able to be a good mom for that kid, I I don't I don't know. I don't know. I don't. It's just this stuff is just so sad to me because like I'll put a picture of Mike. I'll put a picture of all the main players in the show notes. But Mike was like the cutest, sweetest guy. I mean, everybody was just like he was just a good old. He was just a good person. He would open her car door for her even, you know, six years into their marriage. Like he was a doting father. He was just a good guy. And then she ends up being with this sex addict dude. Yeah. You know what I mean? Who kidnaps yeah. her and holds her at gunpoint. And it's like, what what the fuck are you doing? What are you doing? Yeah. Like, you know, as as a parent, right? As a parent of middle school kids, you know, we talk a lot about like, choose your friends wisely. Like, make sure that your friends have integrity. Make sure that your friends, you know, like, I feel like that's a big part of my job as a parent is to like, yeah, you know, they might be fun or they might be funny or whatever. But, like, if they don't have integrity, if they don't have some sort of, like, moral foundation and guys, like, guys and gals, being a sex addict is not, that's not a good idea. Again, find a better hobby. Like, or a therapist, or like a therapist. You can, you can do a lot, well, you know, with your addiction with a, with a therapist. So I just, I don't know why I had never heard of this case. Uh, well, and I was reading through it, and it was literally like this whole theory that he had died by being eaten by alligators. I was like, and it reminded me of that Nip Tuck episode. Mm-hmm. Did you ever see that episode where? they they killed this guy and then cut him up and wrapped the body parts to holiday hams and then fed them to the alligators did you oh yes oh. yes 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 dude nip to nip, nip tuck was awesome until it wasn't like it was one yeah. of my favorite tv shows until it wasn't and then i was just like yeah, well, y'all are dumb like
1: y'all, so... have,
0: y'all are y'all are past your prime but mm. yeah i just brain scans I need brain scans, <laughs> Brain scans, brain scans and maybe the moral of the story is just from my story and Mike's story cuz it's a Venn diagram. You should not go fucking duck hunting. No. No. It's not worth your time. It's <laughs> uh, not enough. even that good. It's not worth your time. It's just not. Yeah. And don't I, I yeah, I'm not I'm not going to I'm not going anywhere else. Just don't. So We are so glad you guys joined us for this, and we are going to leave it there. And Chelsea, we hope to catch you on the flip side. Bye, guys. Hey, Wildside Tribe, don't forget to follow us on Instagram and Facebook at Wildside Podcast. Make sure to tune in on Wildside Wednesdays. New episodes will drop each Wednesday at 6 a.m. Eastern Standard Time. We would love to hear from you. So if you have a wild case recommendation, email us at wildsidepodcast at gmail.com. That's wildside with a C or share your thoughts in the comments below. As always, if you haven't heard it today, you're loved, you're worthy,
1: and you're valuable.